0: So, AJ? Yes, Nathan? I saw a Facebook post the other day. Oh, oh, dangerous, dangerous. <laughs> well, it was a Facebook post related to tabletop role-playing games. Slightly less dangerous, but I'm still on edge. Yeah, It was from a friend of mine, and uh, uh, she said, I would like to run this game. And she described a, a campaign um, in a, a role-playing game system I don't personally know. and uh, And she... She described things and she said, "Um, comment here if you're interested. Uh, It will be first come, first served. Okay. Now, a little while later, they uh, noted that there'd been a great deal of interest. And she wasn't exactly sure how to proceed with putting people into groups or running multiple groups. Yes. So this is a thing I've seen quite often. Lots of people posting things like this. Because it's a difficult question. How do you find the right group? Well, that is a very difficult
1: question. I think the first step of that is to see who you think is going to be most likely and most willing to roll for shenanigans. (laughs)
0: the the group finding the right group what we're going to cover is not just how do you advertise for like my friend did how do you advertise for role-playing games and how do you choose the people you're going to participate uh in role-playing games but what kinds of temperaments you might want or might not want at a table with other kinds of temperaments um how do you balance your party as well as your party yes yes absolutely because different people like different things from role-playing games, and I like to run different games. Um, the, the, I, I very much acknowledge that one of my completed D&D campaigns would not have been enjoyable for a large number of people simply because it contained a high amount of PvP, and I think some people both social and physical violent murder PvP. It had a lot of arguing and that thing, and some people really don't like that at their gaming table. They want the whole group to be unified, no secrets... We all have an agreed objective here. Some people like the duplicity, some people want that duplicity, but maybe only one or two people. Yeah, let's you know, let's
1: just state early on that both are valid forms of playing a game. Both are it, valid games you can run.
0: The first thing I want to say about my anecdote, I mean, I'm keeping my friend anonymous. It was their first time running anything, and I suspect when I was describing that, several experienced GMs were going, oh no, no, please, don't, <laughs> don't advertise in the open like that.
1: Don't don't phenomenon. take first come first served. What are you doing?
0: Yeah, first come first served is the big mistake of that mm. post, isn't it? Yeah. Because because you don't know who's going to get there first.
1: It's a case of it's there are there are circumstances where first come first served can be fitting, but. You then have the problem that if you've if you've stated that openly, you are bound to stand by that. People will then the people you've who have then expressed interest, who you might be friends with in regular s- situations, but just not feel like they are the people you want to play with in this game, might then feel like you're singling them out for some reason you can mm. you can you can use whatever whatever logic you wish and you feel is appropriate to form your party but if you express if you set an express set of terms up front and then don't abide by them it's kind of going to come off as favoritism or unfairness that might have repercussions yeah i am and not i, a, I am part- not a social therapist don't come to me for your advice about how to make friends yeah
0: but one thing i want to say off the bat is I think the important thing to get right is what information you're going to post about the game and what information you're going to ask people to provide about the game. And one big thing I think is important for you to say and to get from other players is how familiar they are with whatever particular system you're going to use for that game. Yes. You know, uh, both the system and the settings, if it's a system with multiple settings, you know. So in D&D you might want to say, I'm running Forgotten Realms, I'm you know if you're doing, doing a pre-written adventure you should probably post that in the description because if someone's played it before they're going to know it and you don't want them participating and I don't think they you know it's a waste of everyone's time they've run through it they don't want to do it again you, you either you want, want a want group of there. people
1: that don't know it, that don't know it or a group of people that do know it and are going in with the, with the full acknowledgement that this is something we've experienced before and we're kind of doing this because we want to have a second crack at it in the same way that you might replay a video game you're not going to experience you you don't want to mix and match so that the people who haven't experienced it are getting spoiled by it but it is a perfectly valid approach to say yeah we're wanting we're wanting to to effect, almost treat this game as a speed run or a challenge run and yeah if you are the dm yeah. you're going into that knowing that's the experience you can prepare for that but and
0: you know that a new player is going to if it's a new player to the system you know they're going to be much slower and need much Yet. more support than an older player. And I think really you want to ensure the mix is known. It doesn't even matter what the mix of new and old is uh, in regards to rules knowledge. Um, just that everyone knows who is new and who isn't. Because yeah. then then you can be like, you know... Then the GM can quite say, you know, um, Ben, Ben you've been playing role, this role-playing game system for four years now. I expect you to make a character with a backstory and have it ready for Session 1. Um, Andy, you have never played this role-playing game before. Me and you will sit down and discuss it before Session 1 yeah. so that you have a character ready, you know. you And and you're going to say, and Ben, when Andy is taking a long time to choose his turn, that's what, you know, And and your approach to dealing with that, you've got to say stuff like, you know, don't worry about the rules. I'll explain it as I go along. Or you know, one of the best examples of this was a, a game that I'd been invited to participate in recently. Um, my, it's just a group that were were playing a game, a campaign that's recently ended, and the GM said, um, "Look, the Tuesday slot's still open. If you're all still free, I'd like to run Starfinder." Um, I'd like to do a pre-written adventure because I want to see what the designers intend because I've only ever played quite a high-level version of Starfinder and I don't really understand what the thinking is behind it and I'd like to see if it's a system I like and I want to roleplay in it. Um, But, you know, he said, here is a summary of the setting and the rules. Um, If you don't have the books, you know, with the implication of read them, um, you know, I won't be ready for this coming Tuesday. Hey, but here you are you know it was a very it was a very good way of sort of saying this is the level of knowledge I expect you to have coming into this even if you're not that familiar I myself am not that familiar but I expect all of us to have a basic understanding of the rules so that the game is not slowed down contrast my Shadowrun campaign where I said the rule book's really difficult I am running this campaign to see if I like Shadowrun we will play some number of games and then I'll make a decision if we're keeping going or not If you know nothing, I know nothing, you should just expect a lot of rules looking up and that kind of thing throughout character creation and the first few sessions. And then everyone understands where they are and no one can say they weren't treated um, wrongly so
1: given this is quite a broad subject that we're dealing with i think it's probably worth breaking this episode down into maybe three parts we've already started discussing about experience level and how you would how you would make up your group in terms of experience and we're going to want to dive into that in a bit more detail so that's obviously the first thing we're going to discuss how do you balance a group by experience how do you deal with different experience levels the second thing I think we should probably talk, talk about is things like personality and player type, how temperament. You, temperament it's, yeah. is a good way of yeah. of, dis, of filling that. How mm. do you want to balance the character makeup of your group? Not just in terms of like class and race of the of the characters, but what kind of th- play style they are going, your players are going to enjoy, and how that's going to interact within the group. And then I think it's probably worth finishing with a discussion about what to do in a situation where maybe that is beyond your control or how to deal with with character and player misbalances because i myself as you can probably guess from the past episodes where this has come up and apparently it's my one talking point uh with the rpg society from university it's a classic example of when you might not have the luxury of choosing who your players are and you simply Mm. have to deal with who's there and how you want to manage that is there anything else you think I've missed there that is probably worth discussing in more no, detail? No,
0: no, no. I think that's... Um, maybe just... I guess it's lumped in with experience level, but it's worth... Well, I was just going to think about um, what the GM needs to say, but I actually think we'll cover that in those yeah. in those other categories, so so I think that's fine.
1: And if you at home um, listening to this think we've missed something important, wait until the bloody end of the episode to voice your complaints, we might cover it in there. Gee, stop writing already! Fuck! <laughs> Send tweet. Send Um, Send tweet. I don't have Twitter. This is all going to you. This is your problem to deal with now.
0: (laughs) Control of the edit and Twitter makes me a very powerful man. I know, and I don't Um, like it.
1: What uh, what worries me uh, more is less that you're going to control the edit and the Twitter for this, but more that you're going to make a Twitter account on my behalf, specifically as the complaints department.
0: (laughs) Well, I wasn't going to until you put that idea in place. Uh, uh, excellent idea.
1: Oh, no. I, uh, if you're listening to this, I blame you. You you validated his belief that this is worthwhile <laughs> by continuing to listen to this, and now he is a tyrannical dictator. And speaking of tyrannical dictators, shall we talk about how we want to decide the makeup of our party in terms of yes. experience?
0: Yes, yeah.
1: There we but are with the hand-fisted transition again.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think to some extent, it this is the most personal preference thing of any of the categories we're going to discuss. It really depends what you have time for. Um, you know, yeah. if you're not wanting to be patient, if, you know... And, obviously, for all of this, the caveat is the type of game and the type of system matters. But, like, let's say you're running a high-level D&D Pathfinder, Starfinder, or a high-karma point character, GURPS, or Shadowrun game. You know, yes. something where the player power is through the roof. Uh, I'm talking, like, for D&D fans, 15th level plus, or, like, superhuman characters in Shadowrun. Like, you don't want someone not familiar with the system playing those games. Because, for whatever reason you've decided to go high power, they will probably not handle it. I think hmm. it's different if you're inserting someone into an ongoing campaign that's already at a high level, but if you're going to start with magic items out the arse and great power, maybe the person who says, I've never played this role-playing game will not have fun. Because this is, this is the thing that I want to really get down. This isn't so much about... I mean, we're making jokes about being tyrannical dictators, but actually, yeah. getting this right is about making sure no one wastes time and everyone has fun. The new player will not have fun. You will not have fun helping the new player if you're going for that kind of high-level campaign I just described. You know, the person... The person who has shit tons of experience isn't going to want to play that introductory Starfinder game that I've been invited to, because mm. we're using a pre written adventure that is designed to be an introduction to the system. If you played a shit ton of Starfinder, that is going to be dull, even yeah. if you haven't played it. You know, I wouldn't want to play Lost Mine of Fandeva um, um, in 5th edition now, because one, I've I've looked at quite a lot of it, and two, I know 5th edition backwards, I find it really boring. (laughs) Um, You know, like, there may be reasons an experienced person might want to play an introductory adventure, but, you know, you've got to make sure... In fact, that's probably a really good thing to ask, is why do you want to play this game? Why are you interested in this game? Because... If they if they have got a wrong impression and say, Oh, I'd like to play it for the political intrigue, and you're like, Well, that won't be a feature in the game. I don't know where you've got that from. But you don't if you don't ask that question, you never know that, and then they're doing this political intrigue thing that you're not running.
1: Yeah. I kind of have a few points in regards to that idea about experience and inexperience and power level.
0: Because
1: mm. one of the key choices you have to make if you're starting a new campaign is what level do I want to start this game at? Mm. Now there's a lot of the most common starting points tend to be between first and fifth level and to a certain extent if you've got a group that's entirely experienced players you might just go we're just going to dive straight in at fifth level because that's when you get the first real power spike that's when you're going to have characters having some real interest if you're playing a martial class it means they can start off with the multi-attack if you're playing a spell if you're playing a wizard you've got access to things like fireball at that point If they're experienced, you're not going to need to explain the core sets to that, and it means they don't necessarily have to grind through the first levels of feeling underpowered. There is still value to having a game start at first level when you've got experienced players, and that's one of the reasons why my current new campaign that I've talked about in the past, set in my steampunk setting, did start at first level. It gives a chance for character development and relationships to build up, but there is more to be said of starting an experienced group at 5th level than there is to be said for starting an inexperienced group there. If you've hmm. got a group of people who do not know the game, even if you're not running a pre-written... Pre-written? Pre-written? I'm having a re-day with me my voice today, oh, inside. So
0: not going all over the, the place. Book.
1: If you're doing a pre-written adventure, then that's kind of... Or if you're doing a regular one that you've done yourself, starting at first level, it's gonna give your characters chance it's gonna give your newer players chance to get familiar with the rules of the game and as well as build those early game relationships and that group dynamic that's going to carry them through the rest of the game. Like one of the reasons I chose to start this campaign at first level is because it is starting in this new colony. It's meant to be an environment where everyone knows everyone so the idea of there being a very powerful character already there that's not going to be more than one person in the colony in the entire place so that gives them a reason why they have to become the problem solvers because no one in that environment is already going to be super powerful they are going to be learning to experience that and building this core dynamic of these are the small group of people who have known each other and have had to live in this close quarters for a while becoming these these figures of importance within this local environment and becoming the more powerful figures there and it means that by the time that they are ready to move beyond this small environment they've maybe got to that fifth level they've got the experience they've got familiar with their characters and if it's something they want to keep playing you can arguably say it gives a chance to decide I'm not having fun with this character, I want to swap them out early on. And, let, and means you don't have to get too heavily invested in a character until it's one that you want mm. to play.
0: Mm.
1: And it also means that you can build that experience and understanding of how the rules work if you're not familiar with it. By contrast, this is the same group that had previously got to, I think, 13th level before what was meant to be a one-shot uh, was called off.
0: Yeah.
1: And this is a group that has two very inexperienced people in it what so when this game was started at 10th level with one of the inexperienced people playing an artificer and then the wizard of the party joining at 12th level these two inexperienced people it does add an extra issue that is not necessarily there and you kind of have to acknowledge that the the party's temperament is going to play a role in that if you're having this mixed experience starting early on mm. this group has quite a good temperament dynamic we're all good friends out of this, and. We are very it's a very supportive group. So I knew that having these inexperienced players there, the other players would not only have the patience to help support them and get and get them learning the rules, but they would also be patient enough to acknowledge and accept that they are not going to make, the optimal choice at all times they're going to do what they find to be more fun and more interesting as they make mistakes and learn the rules and they're also going to have the patience to let me explain things and even the supportive network where they will be able to answer questions if needed in the interim the players are going to be quite happy to help each other
0: hmm Mm. Yeah. No. I think you're you're right, and I think you're like starting to transition us towards discussing temperament here. Um, which, because I think that that temperament is probably yeah. the thing. I'm glad it's the middle because I think it's the thing that binds together all of this yes. discussion. And I think there are two halves of temperament. There is personality and friendships and all of the social things that yeah. comes with, and there is the type of role playing they like. Yeah. You know. It, it's worth knowing, in terms of personality, who doesn't get on with or does get on with or knows very well other people. Yes. You know, it, you don't want pe- you don't want two people who can't stand each other hmm. who promise you they'll behave. Uh, yeah, that's the reason your, why I'm not allowed anywhere game. near
1: your games. Because I'm a <laughs> <Pretty> shit-stirrer! <vulnerable laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so you don't want that, you you want to, I think, be very clear about, again, comes back to our discussions about Session Zero and stuff, this is probably something to discuss here, is how we are, you know, the kind of language you expect people to use and that kind of thing, how far you're willing to take, you know... Um, yeah. Banter and taking the piss and that kind of thing. Cause that can really get under skin, you know, sometimes, you know. I I had someone I I don't run games with after running one because uh I, I didn't know this at the time. And and that's also worth saying, like the all of what we're saying here is to try and help you get it right, but mm-hmm. really until you start running a game for someone, you probably don't know what they're like. You may yeah. find that it doesn't gel with you, but there was this guy who was making jokes at my expense as a GM, and not taking the piss too much, but like, he would, you know, if I did an accent fairly badly, he would note that, or if something went wrong, he would note that, and so on. And this happened too frequently, and were it a long campaign, I probably would have talked to him and and asked him to stop, Um, But as it wasn't, as it was only like a short one-shot thing, I just decided I probably was not going to run games for him in the future. Um, You know, and that really doesn't have to be a big thing. It was just something that I found got under my skin too much for me to be happy running stuff for him. He, He didn't feel to me to be buying into the pretense. Like, you know, I am not Matt Mercer. I can't impersonate a perfect accent on demand. And quite often... When I am making up M- NPCs, I just see what voice comes out, and that is the voice they now have. Yes, um, you know, and I don't mind comments. I mean, in my game, the last time I ran a game, I voiced an NPC, and someone said, "I think that accent is offensive." but I'm not sure who, too. Yeah, <laughs> which which was a fair enough comment to make. I just picked a voice, and mm. whatever was coming out was what was coming out, mm. and I didn't mind that. But you know. That's where, that's where temperament comes in. That one person making that joke at my expense in my regular game made everyone just go, yes, it is very funny that Nathan can't do this voice, let's move on and continue roleplaying. Whereas yeah. the other one was so frequently undermining what I was doing that it was impossible to um, keep moving forward quite a lot of the time. There's
1: a a difference between banter and positive criticism
0: and abuse.
1: And, of course, although it's not on topic for this, let's just have the the usual moment to put the disclaimer and just remind everyone, your DM is not Matt Mercer. Do not go in with the same expectations. Your DM will be their own person, and you should be looking for the game that they want to to play and that they want to run and that you want to play. Have fun with it, but don't expect them to don't expect yeah. to end the game to be critical role. that's a role. <laughs> really
0: important thing to get with temperament, especially with people that are new, is what are their expectations? What do they know about D&D? Or, you know, D&D is inevitably where quite a lot of new people come in, but you know what I mean. Yeah. What do they know about this system? What's their past experiences with it? I... Not in the sense of how often they play, but what What have they... You know, you know and I think what you do here... A lot of this is a bit in depth, so I think what you do is, you know, get your initial interest. Look at people. If you know certain people, you probably have a good idea, and then you might ask a few specific people some questions more more specifically to get the information out of them.
1: Yeah, I think I'm possibly a good example, in fact, of uh, kind of kind of a th- that point, and in more general terms, bad bad players etiquette. Because when I first was introduced to the game by yourself i didn't really understand it a lot and my main exposure to it had been acquisitions incorporated and i just didn't understand the rules and as you told me after the fact i was a bit obnoxious and Mm. it's a case of i've i'd like to think i've improved since then but oh miles (laughs) but it's a case Um... of sometimes you've got to you've got to understand what you've got to understand that players will not necessarily always be well behaved but it's not necessarily going to be malicious they're just they just possibly you need to go over the expectations with them and they might not even realize that they're being that player because i certainly didn't you just
0: have to explain yeah not only did you not realize but i I do want to say aj wasn't that bad (laughs) like you know (laughs) if he was that bad i would have told him off sooner but if i was um, that bad
1: we wouldn't be here (laughs)
0: i mean a lot of what i a lot of my style of player management is to just be very firm at the table i prefer not to have to take people away i will do it but i prefer not to have Mm. to take people away afterwards i prefer to um like you know if you ever hear me go like you know I think a lot of my players uh, I mean I've had this joked about me is that it's like when Nathan says anyway that means shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like, have you know it's a very clear symbol of hmm.
1: I I want guys, to get this, the game moving now amusing, and you're
0: but... you're slowing
1: everything down. You are Yeah. This is this is this is moved from being entertaining to being a problem. Yeah. I have only ever once had to have a a quiet side conversation with a player because of disagreements at the table and it's a case of sometimes you just have to some as i say it and like in my case sometimes they just don't realize what they're doing and you just need to have a word with them and this player in particular at the time didn't really didn't seem to really click but we came back after us after the summer, and he'd had a go at DMing himself. And he, the, one of the first things he said to me was, "I'm sorry for being, I'm sorry for being a problem. I understand so much better what what you were talking about."
0: And yeah, uh, yeah, it's a it's a difficult thing. Yeah. So I think we've covered sort of. You may know from the people that respond, and you know whatever role playing community you're in, you may know the people. I think it's it would be unusual to not know something about the people you're playing with unless you're playing in that public setting that we've we've touched on um which a lot of this is a lot more difficult to apply to that kind of game but if you you know it would be unusual i think to be in this hobby be ready to run a game and not know a group of people Um, it may be that you only have one group in which case you pick the four or five people in that group but if you know a community of people mm. that is often when this stuff gets a little out of hand and it's so popular nowadays yeah um, it it may be but even if you are posting into strangers maybe you're going to run a game over a discord and you're advertising it by reddit or a, a forum or a, a group of some kind you can still ask a lot of questions about what people think and expect you know i i I do even more of this interviewing for want of a better word to try and get a sense of what these people are like you might get it wrong but you know at least you tried yeah so the other side of this is what kind of role playing do the players like what what do they consider acceptable and there's a few headline things you might want to save some of them for session zero you might want to do some of them up front depending on how much you expect them to figure in the game but there's a few headline things that i can really see and most of them revolve around player versus player conflict are you happy if someone steals from you are you happy if someone argues with yeah. you are you happy if someone tries to kill your character like you know just you know straight up tries to murder yes. them you know those those you want to set the, the expectation
1: of... rules if you will
0: yeah you know Are you happy if someone has secret goals or secret information? Hmm. You know, all of that is is stuff that you should know about your players. Um, And if you are planning to deliberately include those things, advertise beforehand um, because it is important. Um, It is also, you know, worth knowing: are they power gamey types? Are they? Extensive role players are they, you know, and how much patience do they have for people who want to indulge in the other element? Because this is one thing Critical Role I think is quite good for is showing you um, how many different temperaments of players can be respectful for each other. Because this is one thing that I really diverge from a lot of opinion on is that I think tables with a mix of player styles so long as those players are respectful of each other, are better than those where there is one dominant player style. Because I think that enhances the game for everyone. You know, having power gamers at my table made my combat more interesting because I knew they had a set of tricks and I would make monsters that would counter or make them play differently and they would enjoy that, you know, that kind of thing. Equally... And that also meant that the role, more roleplay focused people would build you know, would think about combat more more just out of necessity. Equally, social roleplay and things like that would occur because the more roleplay heavy people would enjoy that. Um I'm gonna see if I can find in D D fourth edition, they had a list of player archetypes, which I know are roundly mocked because they are a little bit silly. Hmm. Um, I was going to say they've but, got them in the
1: front of the DM's guide as well, don't they? To a certain extent.
0: Yeah they they just had very specific. Yeah. I'll find it on I'll find it in fifth edition actually. But cool. Um, though they were very they you know I don't think it is ever possible to use to fit these categories entirely to real world people. Um, but yeah, so there are these player archetypes. um the role player who's really invested in their character, the explorer who really wants to know about your world and its secrets, the power gamer combat-focused types, um, and all manner of different things in between, and even the person who um, is not invested whatsoever. Um, Like, that's a bit cruel, but what I mean is the person who... Uh, is less um, less invested in the game has come along to try and try it out than yeah. you were, person, um, or at least, or even actually, someone who just likes role playing but has no particular attachment to. This game like you know and it sounds odd to include those people but they do happen there are quite a lot of games that i'll just play because i'm like i like role-playing yeah i don't really have a character or a thing that i want to do in this campaign but i'm sure i'll find something that will entertain me oh
1: yeah i've got a player in our group who is frequently the the on-running joke is that they're at about 14th level or so uh, a ranger that has been playing since fifth level and they still haven't sent me a character backstory just <laughs> no. i'm just i'm just here for the game and for the friends not because i have a character to actually play <laughs>
0: yeah yeah definitely yeah um so yeah i think like you want to and you want to make sure your system fits what the players want to do right yeah. like shadow run everyone has some um you know by definition the protagonists of Shadowrun are criminals and there is a reason that the default is you have no form of national identification. Um, mm. Like, that's the default assumption about players in that world. You don't want to play someone, a group of people that are going to be, want to play entirely squeaky clean good guys in that. Um, you know, yeah. and so make sure the system and the game you want to run fits what people say they're interested in.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, if you if you're wanting something that's quite gritty and high mortality you're not going to play dungeons and dragons the system Mm is is not geared towards that in the same way it's geared a lot more towards heroic fighting yeah you're someone who Mm -hmm. someone who can take multiple hits and shrug it off and keep going rather than rather than a game where you what you you avoid the bullets rather than endure them
0: yes absolutely um yeah that's a very good point and i think you know you need i i think for an ongoing campaign a mix of styles and approaches is very good it leads to a lot of different things um but like you know what how do you discover a player's temperament is a is a difficult question i think yeah. like you know you can ask these questions but you don't really know i think a really good way to find out is if have they played for any other gm <laughs> be like you know If you're unsure about someone and you know they've played for another person, go have you ever run games for so-and-so? What what are they like? Most people will tell you. I mean, I think a lot of people get very hung up about having conversations behind their back and people talking about them behind their back, but actually, in this case, I don't think that's so much of a problem if you find yourself talking to other people. You know, um, in LARP, uh, in in big LARP things I've run, we've often included on the booking form a, who would you like to not have roleplay with? Um, and we don't ask for a reason, you don't need to to explain why, but people can put in their names of people, and if both of them are attending, we can try and make it as far as wide as possible, and, you know, and... Say you know we can say to people, look, that person you've named, they are gonna be there. What do you want to do? You know, yeah. like it, it's it's not an easy conversation to have because anyone that is unwilling to play with someone else, especially in more tabletop role playing games that we tend to focus on, is going
1: to. It's a difficult conversation that you have to have, because you want to facilitate yeah. as many people having There's got to be a yeah.
0: reason, and it might not be a reason they are willing to divulge, and you shouldn't have to force them. Hmm. At the same time, you might not want to be beholden to that. I, I would never promise someone that specifies they don't want to play with someone that they can have their way. You know, but you can might at least look to can't... some
1: compromise or some way of moving forward that is going to mean that both parties are, at the very least, able to play and enjoy themselves, even if you don't have to force them to directly interact.
0: Or oh, it might be that one of them can't play. Yeah. But, like, you know, I think, you know, you. you what you really the want to avoid here division. is getting. Yeah, what you really want to get. It, Avoid here is being dragged into someone's breakup, yes! for example. Yes. Like, you know, you want to say, okay, great, but like, I have to make a decision. And, you know, if you two can't, my, my usual solution to go is, if you two can't work it out, I'm having neither of you. Yeah. Because I don't want to take a side. Because it has happened. I know people who have believed at face value someone who said, I won't, you know, role play with these people. And it was them that was the problem. Um, The person saying, I don't like these people, I don't want to play with them. And the GM doing a great deal of work to accommodate that person's often changing desires about who they were prepared to work with. Because they didn't, you know, even worse in this case, it was kind of a case of the person A who is saying, I don't want to roleplay with these people would find out who was in the game and then say who of the people in the game they didn't want to work with. And because that person wanted to avoid the difficult conversation of, well, if you can't sort this out, I'm having none of you, or I'm not having you, it was always them trying to find accommodations without talking to anyone around the issue. And because they were working around the issue, the game ultimately fell apart because no one could work with anyone um and and that's very sad you you, it doesn't happen a lot like that's the thing a lot of what we're focusing on this episode is the real bad things that can really go wrong yeah
1: i've i've been quite fortunate that i've not had any of those issues with my group i say i've been quite fortunate it's as you've said those are the real bad things that go on. so you wouldn't you shouldn't expect that worst case scenario to be the default but i got quite a good set of group dynamics myself in my various different groups as i mentioned with this with the one that i've already discussed we're a group of friends already technically we're mostly all a group of musical friends it started out as kind of this thing that was just a group of musicians that play together quite frequently and our good friends decided yeah we we all enjoy this hobby do we want to do something as a one-shot and then it continued from there. The group is no longer exclusively musicians. We've got other people, at least one other person from an outside place that has joined us, but it's a case of everyone in there is people that are able to get along outside of that table, and we know that there is a good supportive and wholesome dynamic between them. But even with the the other group I've got, that is effectively a group of people who I met at university, who all lived together for some time. They are—they at least have a good enough dynamic to coexist in the same environment over a long term. Mm. And while they might have different approaches to role playing, some wildly different approaches to role playing, they are able to get along. They know the rules of their table and they know how to interact with each other and how to have fun like there is, there is a grand tradition of taking the piss out of the dm in that table one that i heartily engage with cuz i find it funny but yeah in terms of their play styles some some of the people are very much kind of in it for the combat and the fighting some of the people are in it for more of a role for more of a role playing and we'll lean a lot more heavily into the story or the role playing dynamic of it and you can kind of tell who's taking doing the heavy lifting in any given area by who starts to take a take a front step And sometimes it's important to kind of mix up that dynamic and make sure that everyone else has the opportunity to, even if they're not going to engage with it fully, you give them the opportunity so that if they still don't want to engage in that side of it, they have the chance to reject it. But it can give Mm. you a more varied experience and a chance to have a more holistic game if you've got a wider variety of people and wider variety of interests that they're willing to engage with. And that's one of the things that i thoroughly enjoy because my groups are very much split in that sense that longer standing group has a wider mix of the kind of players whereas the newer group i've got are a lot more heavily a group of problem solvers and role players and one of the consequences of that is the way that our games will usually work out is you'll have uh I'll present them with a problem that I anticipated them to resolve by the end of the session. And they won't even start on that adventure until the next game because they've spent the entire time talking between themselves, working out every possible thing that it could lead to, how to prepare and plan for it. And they will make poor choices from a from a purely mechanical form because... They have chosen a character that they enjoy to play or that they're having fun with. Case in point, the Harpies comment from, I think, episode two, wherein the kobold fighter, having rescued a pig, uh, just started screaming back at that piglet. So having already defeated one Harpy, they've drawn two others to their location. It got them into more trouble, and it was definitely not the optimal play, but it was definitely a characterful choice. And similarly, even with that piglet is very much the bane of this party's existence in terms of optimal gameplay, because the druid of the party, who is someone who likes to make choices that are going to be entertaining, they are their their entire character is a uh, pun on Mary Berry, uh, decided they that they are going to adopt and raise this piglet, and so everywhere they go, they have to acknowledge that we're going to have to be looking after and babysitting this effectively helpless npc that's going to make stealth more difficult every time they try and go through water or some underground environment they're going to be at a disadvantage for strength or dexterity checks to move through there given they're effectively having to carry a piglet under one arm and Mm. it leads for a very interesting group Because in both of these cases the one where they're both this closely connected very similar styles of play and the one where they're more divergent they do harmonize they don't conflict and i think that is a lot more to do with the dynamic of the players the people the knowledge that they are going into this with an acknowledgement that their way of playing is not the right way of playing that everyone is there to have fun and they can support each other and we've mentioned when we were talking about the experience level they are good enough people and good enough friends to be able to support each other and acknowledge that this person doesn't necessarily know the rules we're going to need to take a little extra time to explain it to them because in both groups we they're at quite high level and we've got relatively inexperienced people so both groups know that fairly frequently within sessions we might have to go all right this is what you're thinking of what i'd want you to do in this circumstance is this this and this and that breaks down into these things that i need you to do and we'll just go through that step by step might slow things down but it needs to be done to make sure that they understand what's going on to make sure that nothing happens that they don't understand why and therefore they might feel cheated out of something that they thought they earned and Mm. to make sure that going forward they have a better chance of understanding it the next time the situation crops up.
0: Yeah, um... I mean, I want to say as well... Which is a long-winded way of
1: saying, don't be a dick.
0: Yeah. I've been running games for, I think, eight or nine years now. And I've had three major incidents that are of the type we've been alluding to. That's not bad. Um... I think like the best way to think about temperament. In fact, maybe the best way to think about all of this in terms of building a table is if you imagine a swingometer like they use in elections. If you add three power gamers, you're swinging it hard towards that style of game. If you add one and then maybe a role player and someone who likes the law, you're try you're getting somewhere in the middle. Again, there is no right way of playing it, but you know. If you've added, if you've got three or four power gamers interested in your game, and then one person who doesn't particularly like power gaming, you might want to talk to them and be like, you know, the other people are going to go hard on this munchkinning side of things. Yeah, you sure you want to play? At least at the very least, then if it does all blow up as badly as it, yeah, if it does all blow up as badly as we've uh, we've suggested it may do. Uh, which i think is very negative (laughs) it is at least their fault um you know like you warned them
1: yeah i was gonna say we have a swingometer in our groups but that's purely a measurement of how many bards are playing at any given time both (laughs) in terms of character and player (laughs) Mm. as you can probably imagine the swingometer in uh, our musical musical group our musical group the swingometer in our musical group uh doesn't swing one way or the other it goes back and forth in 4-4 time That was a musical joke for anyone out there who didn't get it. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) That was the heavy sigh of I am done with this bullshit. That is the heavy sigh that you should have written out for if you've got a bad group dynamic. (laughs)
0: Um, That is the
1: heavy sigh I live for whenever I'm hassling his games.
0: (laughs) Uh What else do we want to concern ourselves with in terms of finding the correct group?
1: Well, I was going to say, I believe the third topic that was on our list of to-do was what do you do in an environment where you can't necessarily select your group? Because one of the core examples I've had to deal with in the past is, as mentioned, when I've been running games for the University Role-Playing Game Society when I was in university. Because the nature of that is you don't really get that much of a choice about who's going to be playing. There are a few things that you can do in advance. And I feel like it fits more in with the example you led with at the start with your friend posting online. Where you kind of have this influx of who's going to be there based on whoever happens to express interest. And whoever is part of this same arena, this same pool that you're drawing your players from. You can lay out the terms in advance things like saying this is the kind of dm i am these are the kind of things i'm interested in and this is the kind of game i'm going to be playing so if i were advertising for my steampunk game i i would have said uh it's going to be quite uh swashbuckling it's going to be quite high power it's going to be quite light-hearted though we might Mm. there might be some darker undertones that can be explored and It's going to be a rule. There's certainly going to be a degree of if it's funny and if it's cool and if it's creative, it will be allowed. We're not going to be rigidly holding to the rules as written, and there may be some homebrew that lets people know here's the sort of things that I'm planning to run from the outset. And if this is not something that interests you, you can walk away. But after that point, you can't really decide in advance what kind of balance of player types whether it's going to be a group of people who are going to get along or not uh how many well you can set an upper limit on how many people but i failed to abide by that most of the time (laughs) because there is the additional pressure of there's all these people in a room who all need to be included somehow you cram them into a table if you can so there are a number of factors you can't account for and in that environment how do you maintain and manage that group one where you hope it's going to be a good dynamic but you've got no way of cultivating it yourself
0: well I think you've already identified as much upfront stuff as you can do right like there's a room full of people as much upfront stuff as you can do I would also if I don't know them I wouldn't gravitate towards my friends but I would gravitate towards having friendship groups Yes, Um, people who you know already are
1: capable of getting along
0: yeah, so like when I ran for my RPG society, a game of paranoia, um, the there was people were splitting up. People weren't sure what game to run, and the what the president of the game society said, "Be funny to see the exec do paranoia." <laughs> and I said, "The exec are doing paranoia," and that and that was as much because everyone found it funny and it broke the deadlock of who's playing yeah. what because there were three games on offer and enough people for all of them. But no one really had very strong desires to play any particular one. Um, or, you know, everyone was basically agnostic. Because it was a one-shot night. It, no one was playing long-running, committed campaigns. Everyone that had turned up, it was the middle of exams. No one was expecting anything exciting. Yes. Um, so uh, I said that as much as anything, because I was not a regular attendee at my RPG society at my uni, because it ran... On nights when I was doing other things, um, uh, quite consistently, but you know, I happened to be free. I'd go along, and the exec, I as I didn't know anyone there. I knew the exec as they'd run a society for a year could probably get on well enough to play a game of Paranoia, a game in which you murder <laughs> people frequently. It's a, it's a game that you PvP go in and... with the full
1: acknowledgement of, it's there's going to be some PvP, and there's going to be a lot yeah. of rapid turnover of death, and yeah. it's going to be quite dumb, very possibly.
0: Yeah, uh, and in some ways, like... You know, advertise it much more clearly, do as much betting as you can, get, you know, groups of people together. If it's going to be a campaign and you don't know people, I would double down on the Session Zero stuff. Um, And, you know, I would even give people an out point, say, you know, you're only obligated to do the first one or two sessions. If you don't like it, just leave, because... You know, I think people think leaving players leaving games is a bad thing. And if yes, if all your players oust you and abandoned your game, you're probably doing something wrong. But if someone's not having fun, trying to constantly bring them around to having fun is going to be more energy than just running a game. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of this obviously is a lot trickier to do, but. I think in a in an environment where you can't vet your players, use as much known information as you can um, and try and give people as much information as you can so that they um, know. Like I say, it is extremely rare that a group of people gather in one place to play role-playing games, even in game stores and role-playing societies and th- or on the internet, and don't know something about each other. In fact, the internet's probably the single place where you're going to get people who don't know anything about each other and I think there there is an acknowledgement that the GM has the power to make people leave. Um, you know. and Yeah, there is finally, a button
1: marked KICK.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, I think I want to end this episode by breaking down into a few actionable points I have for GMs out there looking to start a game who are looking to think about their groups. Because we've talked about goals and what you want to consider this is what i would say you know to go back to my anecdote how should we advertise that yes so first thing first as we obviously alluded to it's not first first first. (laughs) don't set
1: rules that you're going to think twice about after the fact if you're uncertain about how you want to do something even if it's things like priorities of picking people don't necessarily set that in stone at the start
0: so, I would say, what you want to do is get people to express interest, then invite them. That's how you're going to tell. And however you select them, that's entirely down to you. But I, you know, where where me and AJ are close to finishing the game, I run for, for him. And I'm thinking, because it's quite a small number of players, um, because two other players that used to play in it have both had other commitments and stuff, so we're now only down to three. I think when we start a new campaign, I'm going to Invite some people. But what I'll do is I'll say, this is what we're running. This is how it is. Express interest here. Interest will be expressed. um, And then I will, if anyone um, says yes, I will message them directly and say, okay, you know, you've said you want to play. We'll have a brief discussion and then I will invite them to the game. I think that's the best system to get through uh, all of that. I think obviously you want to ask, you know, ask the information that we've talked about. Make sure you've got that, um, and I think use the information you already know about how people roleplay. If you've played with them before, if you've think, you know, consider what they are like, because there is absolutely nothing wrong with deciding privately that you don't think you can include someone in a game for some reason. Yeah,
1: you don't have to necessarily tell them directly but if you're t- if you promise someone some, some, someone if you promise someone a place in your game and then you have to backpedal it it's going to do more harm than if you yeah. don't don't confirm at the start and, uh, and gives you the chance to decide that this person is not going to be suited to it it's going to be perceived less as a personal insult because you might it might not you might still get on with that person absolutely fine you just don't think they're going to be fitted to that game and you don't want to hurt their yeah, people. Like
0: in the example I've used there, when if if slash when I advertise for new players for our campaign, my priority is the three people already playing in it who've already played up to fifteenth level in, in the first campaign of this type, you know? Because I don't want to add people that don't You that, don't want to drive away the people
1: to... that you've already got yeah. to, you know, work.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think those are my like headline actionable points. What you do is get interest, then invite people based on what you know about them, and don't be afraid to ask questions or say no. Yes. Yeah. Uh, any anything more from you, AJ?
1: Uh, uh, the only thing I'd really add to that is just to say that throughout the game, you want to keep communicating with your players. Yeah, they might change their opinions. Might change. There might they might decide that what they thought they wanted from this game is not what they're actually enjoying and so it's possible that they might want to step away or that you just need to your you just want to adjust some element of your game to better include that or to better give them something they enjoy but quite often
0: i find that if you give someone an option that they haven't considered they'll they'll realize that they don't need yeah. to you know leave or anything like you know Keep in communication. If Don't assume that a player that isn't enjoying his character is aware that they can change their character. For example, yeah, you know, you can always just say, "Do you want to? You want to play a different character?" Yeah, in my
1: in my um, Steam Pokemon, one, I've had someone who was who's decided that they weren't enjoying the Bard they were playing after a couple of levels and has now decided to go for a for a Sorcerer. And so, you're always welcome to give people to give to retire old characters and start new ones if there's something about the one you're currently playing that has led you to a point where. I'm just playing this because I because I've always done it and I feel like I have to. I have to finish this character. Play this is a game for fun. Mm. You only have to stick to whatever
0: you're enjoying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I think we are we are done then. Uh, say goodbye, Adrian. Goodbye,
1: and remember that every weapon is an improvised weapon if you're using it wrong.
0: <laughs> Bye, everyone.